Well, uh, I don't know about you, but I love singing that song. There's, uh, I just want to take a quick second. I hope, you know, I don't think the pastor will get mad, but uh, I just got to brag on my God for a minute. Um, uh, you know, standing up here almost in tears because the month of December starts kind of a rough month for me. Not only because of what happened last year with my father, but because, you know, I'm coming up on eight years now that I'll have been supposedly diagnosed with lupus. And uh, three more years I've already surpassed that they said I'd be in a wheelchair. And I just want to stand up here just for a moment to brag on my God because I stand here before you today feeling so good. That not only am I not in a wheelchair, but I'm not in any pain. I feel better than I did eight years ago. And I'm not anywhere near what I feel like should be my deathbed like they told me I would be. Folks, we have a mighty God that we serve. And if you don't believe in the power in the name of Jesus, then we got to have a talk. Because I'm 100%. The work of God and the power in the name of Jesus and what he has done in the last just month of my life is just amazing. The fact that I can stand up here before you guys is such a blessing to me. Let me just uh, say this Bible decree. We do a Bible decree in our church. I ask you to lift up your Bible as high as you can. It is God's Word. And we say, this is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. Children, you're dismissed. Well, praise the Lord. I uh, am grateful that God is moving in the lives of His children and at His church. And uh, Pastor Chris, that was, was that a message before the message? I actually got comfortable over there. Amen. Uh, I would like to turn our focus, and I'm going to kick right off just by saying this and, and get right into the message, but... As we move forward, I do want us to turn, if you will, and you can either follow me up on the, the PowerPoint or we can follow in the Word. You can use your iPad, your iPhone, your Samsung, your Android, whatever you have, that's fine. But uh, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And then also John chapter 1, verse 41. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, here's what it reads. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is, say this with me, Christ the Lord. Now let's say this again. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's amazing, isn't it? So let's go over to John chapter 1, verse 41. John 1, 41. And here's what it says. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the, what? The Messiah, which is translated. Okay, we're, we're, some of us are already sleeping. Do we need to turn the air on? Everybody's like, yes! The praise team's like, please. No, thank you, we're good. So let's do this together. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated... Exactly. So as today as we've, we turn our focus more towards the Christmas season, to Christ and on Christ, I know that we've been going through the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, how to use uh, Jesus in our daily life. What does that mean as we walk in holiness? What does that mean as we live our life out in Jesus? But I want us to notice that probably before, and I've never preached this message before, but I've referenced it, the, import, the importance of Christ, the priest, the Messiah, and the anointed one. 
Now, we need to realize that for many of us, we use the name of Jesus Christ in the wrong way. For many of us, we use the name of Christ as his last name. Do you get what I'm saying? For many of us, we abuse the name of the anointed one. We abuse the name of the high priest. We abuse the name of the Messiah. And more importantly, we abuse the name of Christ. See, that is his role. And that is his office name. Now you're like, where are you going with this preacher? I'm going to show you. Because the word Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for Messiah. That's why it says in John 1.41, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Exactly. So when you hear the word Christ, which is spoken over 500 times in the New Testament, you are literally hearing the Old Testament word Messiah. Now, the word Messiah from which we get our Greek word translated in the English is Christ. Christ means anointed one. The whole Old Testament is written in anticipation of the one to come, called the Messiah. It was called the Messianic hope. You can't understand the Old Testament, and the Old Testament will never make full sense unless you understand the Messianic hope. That is, the anticipation of the Messiah. Isn't that what Christmas is about? So for generations and generations, and I mean generations, they were looking forward to this promised person that God would send. Who would have the anointing to fulfill the purposes of God for not only his people, Israel, but for the whole world and that the person would be the Messiah, which is translated Christ. So the whole Old Testament while not using Jesus' name, anticipates Jesus' person. So from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, here's what it reads. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his soul. I love that it says here, the woman would have a seed because no man would be involved. Whenever you talk about the birth of a child, you're talking about the what? The seed of man. But since no man would be involved because of what? Of the virgin birth. He speaks about the seed of a woman. So the Messiah would come through the seed of a woman. Now watch. God will set up a whole system of sacrifices in anticipation of the coming Messiah. He would set up a whole festival regime in anticipation of the coming Messiah. He would set up this, this whole thing because what we're doing right now, where we're going, is we're anticipating in the season of Advent, what? The coming Messiah. He would make certain promises to Israel and to the whole world that would be filled by the reign of Messiah. And so you would see prayers in the Bible, looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. You would also see sermons in the Bible, how justice would reign in the, in the coming of the Messiah. Everything was in anticipation of this one who was to come. Who would be the Messianic hope, the Messiah, whose name means Greek, Christ I'm going to say this so much today that I hope you'll understand theology and you'll be able to walk away from here and go, wow, that wasn't just a, a charismatic, fun uh, message from Pastor Todd. We learned the word today. And I want you to see the correlation between uh, Jesus, Christ, the high priest, and I keep going through this, the anointed one, and understand really why. Why Jesus? Why Jesus Christ in our life? Why do we celebrate the Christ of Christmas? Because we have found him. And here's what he is saying. We have found all that the Old Testament anticipated. 
all that the Old Testament prophesied, and that was the coming of the anointed one. One of the things that Scripture says about the coming of the Christ or the anointed one was that he had to come through the lineage of King David. I want to stop for just a moment. This past uh, month, I walked into uh, an account, and the, the individual told me that they were Jewish. And so as I looked at this up on the wall, I, uh, I saw this picture. And I said, oh, wow. I didn't realize this because, you know, there's a difference. There's Jews and then there's Messianic Jews. They believe the Messiah has come. Some are still waiting for, for the Messiah, right? And so I looked up on this wall, and I mean, it was just a, a real nice wooden picture. And it was a face chiseled out. And I'm like, oh, you have the, you have the Christ on the wall? That's exactly how I worded it. He goes, no, that is the rabbi. Well, that took me back for just a minute. And I went, this is interesting. And I said, so you don't believe that the Messiah has come? And he said, no, we're still anticipating the Messiah. Isn't that interesting? That is the first time, I'm 52 years old, that anybody has ever told me, no, that is a rabbi's face. Just because of the significance of, of the priest and what it means to the Jewish people. And so, you know, I, and I noticed that they had a shrine kind of set up in, the, in their corner of their home. Yet, I started thinking about this and I thought, wow, this is, this is truly amazing because I will say this. He didn't know this because we own a cleaning company. And as I was standing there looking at, you know, the, their facility and their home was attached, my thought was this. How sad is it that you missed the greatest opportunity of your life? But the question is, do our people really understand who is Jesus? Who is the Jesus of Nazareth? Who is the Christ? Who is the Messiah? Who is the anointed one? And then I started to kind of do a little bit of self-examining and I thought, do you, Todd? Do you know who he is? Do you understand the power that comes with Jesus Christ? So I thought I would do just a little bit of, you know, research and do some background and listen to some sermons from some great preachers and allow them to teach me some things. And so today, this is why I wanted to teach you this, because of just the inspiration that I received. And you're going to follow with me today. Probably, like I said, it, it's a little different. I was, I was actually considering doing messages called Messages Around the Campfire. You know, isn't it funny? All of our churches, we have a tendency to do that. Let's have a theme. Let's have a series. Well, we can make this a series, Faith. And, uh, but what we need to learn is we need to learn the Word. We need to understand its significance. And any of the other devotions, we have time on 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings for discipleship class with the men and 9.30 a.m. with the women. And, uh, and that's those times where we get connected, where you get to understand the Word and understand your emotions. So now... I know that reading names of who begat who and who begat that person and who begat this becomes boring in the Bible, right? However, it is absolutely critical to this occasion, to this holiday. And let me give you one reason why. Because back in 70 AD, in 70 AD, the Roman general Titus, he destroyed the temple and destroyed the city of Jerusalem after the rejection of Christ. There was a major destruction that took place. Inside the temple were the genealogical records of the Jews, so you could go to the temple just like you can go today to either, you know, the courtyard or records building, pick up your birth certificate, or you can go onto the internet and find out where you're from and where your ancestors are from. And I know for us, we have the Tackett genealogical page, and it goes all the way back to our crest and Ireland and Scotland and all those things and uh, our matey, you know what I'm saying? Okay, that, where did that come from? It must be all back from then. But no, we, we learn those things, but watch what's starting to take place here. They had the names in the temple so a Jew could know which tribe of Israel that he came from because he had the records in the temple. But here's what took place. When General Titus took over, the Roman general, he destroyed the temple. 
He destroyed the genealogical records, which is why Jewish people today have difficult times and troubles locating their ancestry. They belong to because the records were destroyed. That is, all the records were destroyed but one. Isn't that exciting? Now you're going to see that this morning. So the record of Jesus was maintained. It is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. And when God was doing his matchmaking, he had a man named Joseph meet a woman named Mary. (sighs) (sighs) And they fell in love. Just like that. Now watch this. Can we pull up Matthew chapter 1? Now, you look in Matthew chapter 1, you're going to see that there's a book. And it's the genealogy of Jesus. And you go, but pastor, all these names, all these things, we start to notice the Davidic line. We start watching things. But I'm going to point something out to you today that as I was pacing in my family room, I know my wife was thinking, what is he doing? I was reading the scripture. And I want you to notice something that, that I saw this morning. The book, and listen, what I saw isn't always new. Maybe you already knew this and you could probably teach me something. But it was something that I thought was very interesting. So it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And now we go down through all of the sons, right? So Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. So now here we go. So Judah begat Perez and Zerah and Tamar. Perez begat Herzon. And Herzon begat Ram. And Ram begat uh, Aminadab. And Aminadab begat Nashon. And Nashon begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. By Rahab, Boaz begat Obed. By Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat, you like all these begats? David the king. And David the king begat Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot. That's the Scotland wife saying begot. But that's in the New King James Version. So, but I'm going to say begat, okay? Because it's just a little easier for me right now, right? So Solomon begat, begot, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam begat Abijah. And Abijah begat Azah. And Azah begat Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begat Jeram. And Jeram begat Uzziah. Uzziah begat Jotham. Jotham begat Ahaz. And Ahaz begat Hezekiah. And Hezekiah begat Manasseh. Manasseh begat Amon. And Amon begat Josiah. Now the reason why I'm going through this so quick is because I said it 500 times this morning to make sure I wouldn't get tongue twisted. I'm just kidding. But anyhow, Josiah begat uh, Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begat uh, Shatil. And Shatil begat Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel begat Abued, and Abued begat Elikim, and Elikim begat Azar, and Azar begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliad. Now we're almost getting done here, all right? Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathen, and Mathen begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Okay, we're going to stop. Matthew 1, 16. For all of those that don't know, this is my family. (laughs) They're like, thanks, Dad. So look at the scriptures here. Highlight it, circle it, and it says here, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Right? So circle that in your Bible, who is called Christ. So all of the generations... In Matthew chapter 1, verse 7, here's what it says. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity, captivity of Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. But it doesn't say Jesus. Now watch. Now the birth of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, but I want to put a thought in your head. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, the high priest, the birth of Jesus, the anointed one was as follows. After his mother, Mary had betrothed to Joseph, which means they got engaged. He got married before they came together. She was found with child of the what? Of the Holy Spirit. So we go back to the seed. Now watch. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man 
and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. It amazes me because, now I'm going to point this out, I'm going to highlight this for you. The son of David. So now we see in the genealogical line, wait a minute, but I thought that Mary was the virgin birth. But there's significance to the son of David, the Davidic line, because we're talking about the Messiah here, right? So it says, Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and... You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then it says that he woke up. And I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to take you right over to, actually, can we pull up Luke chapter 3? Now, in Luke chapter 3... We're going to see what's taking place. So they fall in love, and we start noticing what's happening here in Matthew 1, and the lineage of Joseph came through the line of David. But it just so happens that in Luke chapter 3, that the lineage of Mary comes through the line of David. So you see it through both, and they were both named in there. So... Here's what's happening. When they came together as husband and wife, even though she was giving birth as a virgin and Joseph was to be his stepfather, once they got married, it meant Jesus was being raised by the lineage of both in one family to satisfy the Old Testament prediction. You ready for this theology? That the Messiah had to come through what? Through the Davidic line. So God even knows how to hook folks up in order to fulfill his kingdom purposes. People will say, they don't look good together. I wish he would have married uh, that special little somebody. I wish she would have married a better somebody. Well, guess what? When we have to fulfill God's kingdom purposes, sometimes he puts people together and things are fulfilled through what God wants done. Now watch this in Luke chapter 3. And it says there, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar, Pontius Pilate being, being governor of Judea, Herod being uh, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Lutre, and reign of uh, Trincontitis and Lysanias, Tricard, and I'm not from this place, but anyhow, I'm doing the best I can. While Annas and uh, Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And I love this because here we start seeing the whole translation of Jesus' baptism and what starts to take place. And he went into the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough was way smooth and flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not be begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. He who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not inti intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, as the people were in expectation, all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was, a, he was the Christ or not. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His, says winnowing fans, I call them whining fans in 
is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat in his barn, and the chafe he will burn with the unquenchable fire. With other exhortations, uh, he preached to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this above all, that he shut John up in prison. When all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. Now watch. Now the music's playing, the choir singing, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which says, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself being, began his ministry at about 30 Years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. And let's skip down to where we keep going here so I don't have to go through all of them again. Because uh, I'm going to get keep going. Verse, go, go back up. Because I'm going to, to the one place here. I might have to. Uh, 35. Maybe I should have just read it. I just didn't want to bore you guys with all of it, right? So anyhow... Uh, so it says here, when all the people were baptized, go back to 23. So here, I'm going to read it. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry about the years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, and the son of Matthew, the son of Levi, the son of Malachi, the son of Jenna, the son of Joseph. Stop. So right there, we start to see the son of Joseph. But we also start to notice that in the scriptures, that Mary is also recognized in the text. So we start to see the Davidic line being recognized here. Now listen, I know this is a lot of Bible. Now I'm going to start to, to move us in the right direction here and it, so that you understand who the Messiah is and what the lineage of Joseph and Mary truly is. Now watch. So Jesus being raised by the lineage of both in one family and to satisfy the Old uh, Testament prediction that the Messiah had to come through what? The Davidic line. So we saw that through the genealogy, through Luke 3, Matthew 1. Now, so God even knows how to hook folks up, as I, as I said, through his kingdom purposes. So we have found him. Who exactly have you found is the question you have to ask yourself. We have found what? The anointed one. Now, in the Bible, to receive an anointing was to be elected to an office. You can kick on the air. So think the anointing being like an election... So look at it like this. They're being dubbed to fulfill an office. So in the Old Testament, Messiah, the anointed ones, fit in three categories, three classifications. And I want to go over that. So there were three classifications of people that were anointed. And I will do this quickly for sake of time today. The first classification of the anointed person in the Old Testament, which has to do with the meaning of the word Messiah, was the prophet. The prophet was the person who spoke for God. So the prophet was the person who spoke for God. You would always hear the prophet say, thus says the Lord. Not only did they speak for God, but they not only foretold, they also foretold. They foretold the future, so they were predictive in nature. They would say that God said, and then they would declare things that, not, that had not even happened as of yet, right? And on behalf of God to the people, that was, and so they were anointed as the prophet. Are you following me? We understand the role of a prophet, right? So now the second classification of the anointing was what? The priest. Now the priest would get anointed. There was a whole line of priests. The line of priests would be anointed for the purpose of standing as a mediator between God and also of man. Why? Because men are sinful. Could not directly go to God. And God, because he was holy, would not mix up with sinfulness of men. So God created an anointed or mediator, someone who would stand between him and the people for the purpose of sacrificing for the what? For the forgiveness of sins so that God could have fellowship with the people and bring blessings upon the people by means of the mediator called the priest. Now, we've seen him as the Messiah. We see him as the anointed one. We're seeing him as priest. Now, we need to watch something here. 
Now, among the priests, there was the chief priest, or for some, you would see it in the Bible as called the high priest. Now, I know I don't always preach messages like this, but I really want you to follow me here in the next few minutes. He would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, the high priest would. And this is some really great Old Testament information and knowledge to have. They would offer sacrifices for the nation of Israel so that God could bring blessings on the people. And they would not be judged for their sins. And that priesthood was anointed. Well, the third classification of the anointing was the king. The king was anointed for his civil responsibility and for his ruling over a nation. So he went through an official anointing ceremony to say, you are elected under God to do something, to rule over a nation. Okay? And so each one of those fulfilled a messianic role as human beings. But when the Messiah would come, this Messiah would fulfill all three roles in his one person. He would be anointed as prophet. He would be anointed as priest. And he would be anointed as king. You with me? Amen. That's why at his baptism, you'll start to see something. In Matthew 3.16, when heaven opened up and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says what? We could see it. That this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that launched him into his trifold ministry of being prophet, of being priest, and of being king. And now every time that you hear the name of Christ... You must think now the name of Messiah. And every time you hear the name Christ, and now you're thinking the word Messiah, you must now think the word anointed one. And every time you hear the word Christ, you're also thinking of Messiah. And then you're going back to where he is the anointed one. And remember that he's the anointed prophet, that he's the anointed priest, And he is the anointed king. He has all three anointings fulfilled in one person. So when you hear Christ, don't just think of Jesus' last name. Think of Jesus as three elected offices. That he possesses all three offices. And I know for some of you, as I was thinking about this, because this kind of was all triggered because of my conversation, I thought to myself, okay, I see him as all kinds of things, but I know in Scripture that I've heard him referenced in all these areas, but I've never taught it. Why? And, and maybe I'm up here saying these things, but, and I'm not giving an excuse, but it's not the fun, exciting Todd. But it's the fun, exciting truth. And sometimes the truth may not always be as exciting, but I believe we need to understand who Jesus is. You know, we do all of this, and we end up putting up the nativity, and we try to make our season so festive and exciting. But in reality, if we don't understand that Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us, that he was the Messiah who came to save his people, what are we doing here today? Why are we even in church? What is happening? But if we don't understand the word, then we can't teach the word. We can't preach the word. We can't live the word. So we need to understand some very important things here today. And I want you to see that what I'm saying here is so important. Now what I want us to do is I just want us to quickly walk through three offices of Messiah, whose name is what translated Christ, to see how these three operative individuals operate with him. So number one, he is an anointed prophet. He is a spokesperson for God, and he is a proclaimer of the future. Well, now, if Jesus is anointed Messiah's prophet, that means that he speaks as God speaks. Now, why is that so important for all of us? Well, all the other prophets said, thus says the Lord, right? Now, I was building up to this. Now, when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, I say unto you. All the other prophets were simply articulating with God who told them to tell them when Jesus spoke, he spoke with the authority of God. But why wouldn't he? Because here's what John 1, 1 says. Now watch. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. So John 1 says this. 
The reason he could speak with that kind of authority is that it was actually God doing the talking. Because it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In olden times God spoke in many ways through many people. But in these last days, God has spoken through His Son. He will speak through His Son. So Jesus Christ, in this prophetic role... In his prophetic role is the last word on any subject matter. Not only is Jesus anointed as prophet since Christ is the Greek for what? Messiah. And Messiah means anointed. And the word belongs to Christ. He's also been anointed as priest. Interesting, huh? So here's what it says in 1 Timothy. And I want you to follow with me up here. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 And it says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man who, the man who, thank you. He is the in-between person who grabs God and grabs man and hooks what? The two of them up. He is our priest. And according to Hebrews chapter two, verses 17 and 19, Jesus Christ is our perfect priest. He is our high priest. He stands between us and God to hook us up together. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man can come unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, I am the root, I am the mechanism, I am the mediator between sinful man and a perfect and a holy God. Sinful man cannot go up to God because God is pure. He can't mix it up with sin, but the one who bore our sins... Jesus Christ, the Christ of Christmas, brings the two together. He is our priest, but not only is he our priest, he is now our high priest. So then we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. So we have a high priest who cannot be touched with our infirmities, but who can be touched with our weakness and whose throne can bring mercy and grace in times of difficulty, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confessions. It says we have a high priest. The Bible says that the priesthood of Jesus is the priesthood after Melchizedek, which we find in Hebrews 5, verse 10. It is a permanent priesthood. Now, the author of Hebrews 5.10 says this. I want to go into the priesthood of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek, but I can't go into it because you folks are all too stinking stubborn. Now, there's only two places. We can go back to Genesis. I didn't write this in here, but let me give you this little bit of history. Uh, could you imagine just being a part of the Lord's life? You're a part of Christ. You're part of walking with him. And for some people can say, he doesn't ever do anything for me. You know, I I just want to see one miracle. I want to see something. I need to have a God story. I need to have a Jesus story. Now, today we could say we can have an anointed story, Christ story. You know, we can have the Messiah story. But for many of us, we we look at the, the man of Melchizedek who really, there wasn't a lot said. But in reality, here's what starts to take place. It says that even though he was simple, he was still mentioned because it was right then that we start to notice that Melchizedek is also noticed as a high priest, yet he was also king. But David then references him in Psalms and talks about the Davidic line and the importance of Melchizedek. But we don't grow in Christ because we're stubborn. And so we start to see the scripture. What does stubborn mean? Stubbornness means you won't listen. Melchizedek had a little bit of a, an issue of not listening. So the author of Hebrews says, I'm not going to go into this deep stuff about, about the priesthood of Jesus because I know you're not spiritually able to handle it because if he went to the priesthood of Melchizedek going all the way back to Genesis, he would explain how this priest was also a king and how this king who was also a priest was able to bring victory to Abraham. In the most trying situations. And if we understood the priesthood of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be all wiped out by the circumstances of our own life and the circumstances of our problems. Pastor Chris said, look what God has done through these circumstances. God has been real and I've been delivered. I've been healed. And I got through some of this stuff because he understood that there's somebody who stands between us and God. Right? 
And who is the mediator? Christ Jesus. So now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to review some Bible with you before I actually wrap up this message this morning. The Father, God the Father knows everything. God the Father is omniscient in his knowledge. There's no subject subject of which he is not fully aware. But even though God the Father knows everything about everything, he is not ev- he has not felt everything he knows. In other words, he knows things that he never experienced. He knows sin, but he's never sinned. So he never experienced what he already knows about. So the father limited in his experience And he's not limited in his knowledge, but because the father wanted to experience what he already knows, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger to earth to be a man so that he could experience what? Loneliness. So that he could experience pain. So that he could experience death. So that he could experience rejection. And in fact... There is no category in life where the anointed priest has not already experienced that category. Amen? He knows us. He knows our infirmities. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. That is the Jesus of the manger scene. That is the, the anointed one. That is our high priest. And you can shut the air off. Because I see some people turning blue. That is the one who has come to save his people. That is Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, we have such a high priest who helps us and he can assist us with circumstances. Let me explain this. If you don't understand he's a high priest, and you don't know how to utilize the priesthood, then you don't get the benefits of the anointing. Now the third area, and the last is where Jesus Christ is anointed. Because Christ is taken from the word Messiah. And Messiah means anointed one. And the three offices of anointing was prophet, priest, and king. And I say that again, prophet, priest, and king. So the third area of anointing is that of a king. King David was anointed. He was the ruler of all Israel. He was the government or the head of the government. Even the Bible says what we hear every year at Christmas. And the government shall rest upon his shoulders. The Bible calls Jesus Christ the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says, Then the seven angels sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign (coughs) forever and ever. He says this, That the kingdoms of the world come under the kingship of Christ. And if you'll notice in Ephesians chapter 1, 10, it says that God's philosophy of history is that all things will come under the rulership of Jesus Christ. Now, which one of these titles, prophet, priest, and king, comes to the anointing? The anointing has to come or has to do with his official designation in that area over your life. Pastor, would you repeat that again? Well, certainly I will. The anointing has to do with his official designation in that area over your life. So if there's any rejection of Christ, you've just rejected the anointing. And I hope you're following me this morning because I hope you understand this. So you not only lose fellowship with the person of Christ, you lose the ability to benefit from the anointing of Christ. Everybody goes around talking about the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Well, you only experience the anointing, prophet, priest, and king when those are allowed to operate in your life. So Jesus Christ is the anointed one in these three areas. So you ask, Pastor, how do I get this anointed one to anoint me so that his presence, his word, his authority is connecting between me and between earth and heaven 
as a priest. His ruling and overruling of my life and circumstances, how do they work for me? Let me quote for you a very popular verse. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that you have an understanding that Christ is from Messiah and Messiah is from anointing, let me requote the verse and I want you to listen to this. And you can put it up on the screen. Here's what it says. And I want you to just think about this. I am crucified with the anointing. Nevertheless, not I, it is the anointing or the anointed one that lives in me. So the life which I now live, I live by faith in this anointed one who loved me and gave himself for me. Because remember, stay with me now. Because Christ means Messiah, which means anointed, which means prophet, priest, and king. So to have Christ is to have an elected officer operating inside of you. So let me go back where it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me. I'm going to close this morning. And in closing, I've given Christ permission to let his anointing flow through me so that the life I now live, here it is, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, now I don't live my life like the way I used to live my life. For many of us, we can say, I don't drink soda like the way I used to drink soda. For some of us, we can say, I don't eat like I used to eat. I let go of the addiction like I used to have the addiction. I'm now walking in Him. There's a union that has now occurred in my life. The life which I now live, how I now flow is I flow with Christ. That is the anointing. He is my final word. He is my mediating priest. And He is my ruler and overruler. Of all my circumstances in life, which means he is free to flow the anointing in me, the anointing to me, the anointing through me, the anointing for me and by me that he can flow. Now, how do I get the anointing to flow? He says, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God. So what we live is we live by flesh, that is confidence in ourselves. We talk about our confidence, about our accomplishments. We brag about our confidence. I'm all that in a bag of chips. I can do this, I can do that. I have achieved this and I've achieved that and I'm all that. Let me tell you, no, no, you're not. And Paul says the way I get to heaven now, certain things you can do without God, but the way I get to heaven to amplify what I do with my hands and with my feet and with my mouth and with my tongue and with my body, the way I get to heaven to operate is I don't count on my human ability, but I count on my ability independently of God. So I say this. I tell Jesus Christ, you've got to do this through me. You've got to work this out through me. Would you please speak through me? You've got to handle this through me. You've got to walk this through me because I may be too weak. I may be too broken. I may be too defeated to be able to deal with this situation. So I'm going to lean on you. And when you get propelled by the anointing working through you, you will find your ability to go above and beyond what you ever thought you could do as a human being. Why? Because his name is Christ and Christ is from Messiah and Messiah means anointed and anointed is prophecy. Anointing is priest and anointing is king and if you've accepted jesus you've also received the anointing amen can you receive that today let's rise to our feet and let us pray father we come to you today father thank you that you are our messiah 
that as New Testament believers of Jesus Christ, our high priest, we know, Father God, that you sent your son to empower us, but more importantly, Father, to go to the cross to die for the world, the sins of all men. God, as we come before you today, we ask for your anointing. We ask for your power. Father, we ask that, Lord, we just stop and reflect upon this message. And realize that in the Old Testament, there was that priest, that mediator, that was between God and man. And today we all stand in this sanctuary thankful that you are the one mediator that we can go to. For there's power in the precious name of Jesus Christ. So God, we acknowledge you today. We lift you high and we praise you. Father, for some in this room, maybe they're not believers. Maybe they don't know what heaven looks like or feels like. But God, we're thankful that you are our high priest. And you sit at the right hand of the Father. And you intercede on our behalf. And God, I'm grateful that today we can embrace your word and understand the Jesus of Nazareth. Understand the Jesus that came wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Understanding the Old Testament and the significance of, you know, the prophecy that was told. That you said through your prophet. That there will be, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That He will be born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So God, as I come before you today, I ask that you'll continue to teach me truths in your word. Teach us all truths of the word. And to know that we can do all things through Christ, our Messiah our high priest, the anointed one that gives us all the strength we need. So, Father, I ask that you'll increase in each person's life. May we lay it at the foot of the cross. We know that you're the way maker, the miracle worker. We know that you're the promise keeper. We know that you bring light in this dark world. For you are God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this presence in this room. Father, thank you for the quiet stillness and the honor that is represented here this morning. Moving your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.